Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. morning Bethesda Church. You guys awake? All right, it's good to see you in God's house. I do want to uh, reiterate what Pastor Josh said. If you haven't been here for First Wednesdays, we've been having a powerful time. Our uh, student ministry has been meeting uh, basically every Wednesday. They're fall in nights and they'll be in here worshiping with us for First Wednesday. Uh, they've had over 20 students baptized in the Holy Spirit over the last few weeks. Yeah, that's a good place. And this past Wednesday night, one of those was my 14-year-old son. So I'm, I'm saying prioritize getting your students here for fall-in nights on the regular time slot. But on first Wednesday, make plans to be here. You never know what God might do in your life. We've been in a series entitled Twisted. And um, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed preaching it. Um, We uh, have talked about a lot over the first couple of weeks. On week number one, I titled the message, Underneath the Surface. And we kind of dove right into the deep end of the pool in week number one. uh, And we talked about the difference between sin and iniquity. Sin answers the what, but iniquity answers the why. And I said in that message that the church has done a real good job of calling out the what, but we've done a terrible job at discovering the why of sin. It's when we get underneath the surface and we uncover the why that we can then begin to heal the what. Amen? Uh, In week number two, last week, I started the conversation on mixture. Uh, And I'm going to be building on that. We know that in the parable in Matthew 13, that Jesus taught the man had wheat and he had tares growing up in his field at the same time. And so in building on that, I want to call today's message, The Sin. Everybody say, The Sin. All right, not a sin, not some sins, but The Sin. All right, I'm going to tie Matthew chapter 13, the same parable. I want to read it again, uh, and I want to tie it to Hebrews chapter number 12, But we're going to start in Matthew 13, starting in verse number 24. It says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field. How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. I want you to notice real quick that the servants of the owner, they came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Let's get to work. Uh, 
Maybe um, you've had one of those seasons. Don't worry, I'll read Hebrews 12 in a minute. Um, You've had one of those seasons in your life, like the owner in the text, where you had wheat and tares coming up in your field at the same time. Now, we know that that was a literal field, but how many know we have a garden called our heart? It's, it's a field, and things are coming up. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Uh, and we guard the heart, not so much at the heart, but at the gate, what we see and what we hear and what we say. Um, but maybe during one of those seasons where you had some wheat coming up, maybe y'all are holy though, but do I have any people that have had God things and undesirable things coming up at the same time? You know what I'm talking Wheat and tares, like I got God's stuff, but I got my stuff and my life's a mess because I got both things happening. But maybe you've been in one of those seasons and you've had one of those, um, we'll call them church folk, maybe religious folk. They've come up to you and they've, they've seen you in that state of having both wheat and tares and they've said something to this effect, I thought you were a Christian. I, I thought you were following Jesus. You're supposed to have it all together. I thought you went to church. In my case, it's I thought you were a pastor because we have wheat and tares at the same time. The truth is none of us are perfect, and the difference between me and you is not that you have storms and I don't. It's not that you have problems and struggles, and I don't. The difference is, is that I'm building my house on the rock, and though the storms come, the problems come, the struggles come, that when the storm leaves, my house will still be standing because I'm building it on the rock, Jesus Christ. Your house is suspect because you're not building on the rock. Anybody building on the rock today? All right? That doesn't eliminate storms or problems or struggles from coming, but your house will stand. Now, Hebrews chapter number 12 is what we're going to tie to this. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say that. Say, let us. You got to see that. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, that's where the title of the message comes from, which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says here, the writer in Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, the weight and the sin, let us, in other words, it's not God deliver me from, but it's let me willingly put down. Let me willingly lay down. It, it means that this, when it comes to the weight and the sin that you're struggling with, that it is my choice, it is my responsibility, and I have the authority to lay it down. Now, when, it, when, when we come to the topic of mixture, which we began last week, um, this topic is, is uh, very, very important to me because 
I can't speak for other nations of the world, but I can speak for our nation because I live here. And I can speak to the American church culture uh, because I'm a pastor. I travel to other churches. I talk to pastors. I talk to people who love Jesus all the time. And one of the problems that I see and one of the, the main problems I see is the problem of mixture. When I was growing up in church, there was a strong separation between those who served God and those who did not. The defining lines of that were very clear. The way they behaved was much different than the world, the way they carried themselves, the way uh, their conduct. Uh, You could be in a room full of people and spot Christ's followers because the lines were clear. Today, that is becoming much more difficult because people will cuss in one breath and invite you to their church the next. They will come to a Sunday morning worship experience to detox from Saturday night. They, they got mixture in their life. They, they will praise God on Sunday, but complain about their life Monday through Saturday. It's the ability, the mixture is, and, and the problem is, is that we, we develop, when we allow mixture, we develop the ability to compartmentalize our faith. It's the ability to take this part of my life right here, what we're doing right now, and we draw a line around it and we don't allow what's happening here to infiltrate the other parts of my life. Some of you are struggling because you have learned how to compartmentalize your faith. You look like a powerhouse at church, but you declare death over yourself and your family and your coworkers all week long because you have compartmentalized this, not understanding that Jesus did not come to create another religion that you and I pay homage to for 90 minutes on Sunday, but Jesus came to die and to live in you to cause you to become something in your lifetime that would impact a generation. He has called you to come out from anything that would pull you down or weigh you down and be ye separate. Somebody ought to praise God. Some of y'all are too nervous to praise God right there. Because we, we see mixture in the church and we see mixture. Many of us are like, yeah, I got a lot of mixture. I have learned how to compartmentalize my faith. See, we are not to judge what we are in. I, God didn't say judge the world. I don't know why Christians sit around complaining about the world sinning. They're supposed to sin. We're not to judge what we are in, but we are to be different than what we are in. The problem is that we look like the world while we're in the world, and then we want to look like the kingdom when we're in church. And we got everybody confused, including ourselves. See, getting people saved was not supposed to happen because you can debate better than them. It's not supposed to happen because your theology is spot on or perfect, but rather that your life has become such a witness that those around you can see what has transpired in your life, and because of the light in you, it causes others, it inspires them to want to get what you have. That's how we convert people. I think a large part of people struggle because they hear about 
church and they hear what God did at church, but then they watch your life. And they struggle. Some of us, our life in here on Sunday versus what our life looks like outside of here, there's a lot of mixture. And the problem is now that people can look in a room and they can't tell who's Christian and who's not because we tell the same jokes, use the same language, gossip about the same people. Am I, am I striking a nerve yet? But they can't tell a difference. What, I want to ask, what is it that causes you to stand out? What is it that makes you look different than everyone else? The, the, so, so the same God that we come to church and we believe we can anoint with oil and be healed, that is the same God in your life. We're not to compartmentalize that to a Sunday or a first Wednesday, but when you get a doctor's report that is not positive on a random Tuesday, that we don't have to wait for a first Wednesday or a Sunday because we've compartmentalized our faith, but now we can pull out our own bottle of oil and anoint ourselves and declare, I'm not receiving this report. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord and by his stripes I am healed but it's hard to declare that when we have mixture going on it's really hard to be bold and have faith and to speak life and speak health and healing over things when there is mixture just like in the beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden they had a conflict in the garden we we don't have a physical garden but we have our heart and I believe many of us are conflicted in our heart because watch this we have a mixture of behavior when we have a mixture of seed here's the problem our behavior is mixed up because our seed is mixed up. You only have a mixture coming out of your life when you have a mixture of things coming into your life. It's why I ended the message last week by telling you, you don't guard the garden at the garden, you guard the garden at the gate. And so when it comes to your heart, you're not protecting the heart because out of it flow the issues of life. I'm not protecting the heart at the heart it's too late once it enters the heart. I'm protecting the heart at the gate. What, what's the gates, pastor? I'm so glad you asked. It's what I look at. It's what I listen to. And it's what's coming out of my mouth. In this generation, it's not even what, what's coming out. It's what I'm typing. You would be amazed at the trajectory of your life and how it would change. If you monitored what you looked at, what you listened to, I'll take that a step who you listened to, and what came out of your mouth and what you typed in, in a text message or Facebook message, you would be surprised how your life would, because your life is going to move in the direction of how you monitor the gates, what you look at, what you listen to, and what you say. Do, does anybody believe what I'm talking about right here? Your life's going to move in that direction. You can't bellyache and complain all week long and expect to live a victorious life. It's not possible. See, I, if I compartmentalize my faith, if I draw a line around this part of my life, this Sunday experience or even the small group experience or the first Wednesday experience, and I don't allow it to infiltrate the other parts of my life, then I end up with a lot of mixture and the tears 
the tares, that's the undesirable part, it starts drowning out the wheat. Iniquity is different than sin. That's what we've been talking about. Sin is behavior. It's something I do, something I say. You can only sin a couple of different ways. You sin through acts of commission. God said don't do it and you do it anyway. Or acts of, or, or yeah, omission, where God has asked you to do something, but you say no thank you. All right? Sin is, is behavior that we go to God. Thankfully, we have an advocate with the Father and Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us, and that's how we deal with sin. We get it under the blood. Everybody can see sin, all right? You can see sin. You can see when somebody is lying or stealing or committing adultery or doing something we know we shouldn't be doing. You can see that. We get forgiveness and we move on. But there is something deeper called iniquity, and it's the inner force in all of us that is underneath the surface, and we are, it's not the same as sin, but it is the why behind the sin. It's iniquity, the Bible says, can stretch three to four generations. In other words, my grandpa can do something, and it's in seed form in his life. But if it's not confronted in his life, potentially, if nobody breaks the pattern, what was a seed in his life can be running rampant in my life. But somebody's got to say, you know what, I've had enough, and it stops with me. Anybody had enough and you want it to stop with you? That this thing is not passed down from one generation to the next. And it's important because with every generation, if it's not confronted, it grows. It multiplies. It becomes bigger. Kind of like the devil when you look at him in scripture. He's a snake in Genesis, but by the time you get to the book of Revelation, he's a dragon. How, how many know somebody's been feeding him? Somebody's been feeding him. If you can go from a snake to a dragon. And some of us, you, you got to understand that what you feed is going to grow in your life. And if you consistently live a life of mixture where I'm going to come to church and get my God on on Sunday, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do the rest of the time, I'm going to compartmentalize, then you are feeding something that eventually is going to overtake the good things in your life. When you see a person that is battling with something in their life that looks like it is completely out of control, it's probably because someone in a previous generation could have stopped that thing in seed form. That's why I said last week, I don't want my kids to fight the same devils I fought. They're going to have to fight devils, but it doesn't have to be my devil. I don't want them to fight the same thing that I had to fight just on a bigger level because I refused to confront it. So, so here's what happens. We come to Christ, we get saved. Anybody thankful for salvation, Right? Some of y'all are like nervous. It's all right. We get saved. We're born again. And in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 and 22, it says, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Paul says the person who wills to do good has evil present with them. He's talking about the person who is born again. After you are born again, you have a will to do good, to make better decisions. But verse 22 is very key to this because he says, in my inner man, 
I delight in the law of God. So when I get saved, that is the, the work that God does for me. How many of you had nothing to do with salvation? God did it. Jesus came, paved the price. You didn't do a thing. All, all you did was say, I'm sorry, and that's it, right? You invite Jesus in. He did the work. The Bible teaches us that when we get saved, our spirit is saved. The Bible also says that our soul is being saved. In other words, every day I got to bring my soul, that's my mind, my will, and my emotions, I got to bring those into submission to the will of God because my soul is not saved, it's being saved, every day being saved. But my body, the physical part of me, will one day be saved. So check this out, my spirit is good to go. He who the sun sets free, free indeed. But my soul is being saved, my body will be saved. So my spirit produces godly desires. But iniquity, that's what we've been talking about, it originates in the soul. The soul being the second dimension of who you are. You are spirit, soul, and body. God has saved your spirit, but your soul, your mind, will, emotions, perception, experiences, what you've been through, everything in your soul is being saved. Iniquity gets into the soulish realm and produces conflict. And you say, well, pastor, what's the conflict? The conflict is I get born again. I've received Jesus. I'm saved. My inner man delights in God's law. How many, when you get, your spirit's hungry for the word. Your spirit's hungry for prayer. Your spirit's hungry for worship. Your spirit's hungry to serve. Like your spirit has no problems at all doing the things of God because it delights in the law of God. But check this out. All of that's true, but Paul says that evil is present in the person who wills to do good. I'm going to preach this now. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I, I want to be a hypocrite. Nobody wakes up. I know somebody was like, they're just a hypocrite, bless God. They need to get it together. Nobody woke up one day and said, I am determined to be a hypocrite. Like, I'm going to go to church today, and I'm going to love on Jesus, but I'm going, I'm going to be mean as the devil the rest of on purpose. I want to be a hypocrite. No, nobody does that. So what, how do they end up in the place where you would assume that maybe they are a hypocrite? How do they get to that place? They get to that place by compartmentalizing their faith. See, this part of their life, they draw a line around it. The problem is, is this part of their life is not infiltrating their marriage, the way they raise their kids, the way they behave on the job. They have drawn a line around this part, but not allowed it to infiltrate the other part. And this produces mixture in their heart, mixture in their garden, which results in a mixture in their life. Iniquity in the Old Testament is kind of like what the writer said in Hebrews when he said, the sin, the sin. It's not sins, but the sin. He said, while we're running our race, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, not, not a sin, not some sins, but the sin, which could be the thing you've struggled with over and over. It's the thing that makes you nervous if I preach on it because it's been your struggle. And listen, everybody's got one. 
That's why he's very clear to say, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Whatever that struggle is, there is that one person in this room who has it all together. Matter of fact, I need you to help me preach and tell somebody close to you, you don't have it all together. If it's your spouse, you need to tell them, I am very aware that you don't have it all together. Be nice, be nice. Very aware. PK's telling me she's very aware. I don't have it all together. Listen, how many know the closer you are to people, the, you are very aware. I don't care who you meet. If you met Billy Graham there's, there, and had a deep conversation with him and asked him what he, there would be at least one thing, if he was being honest, that he could tell you was a struggle for him. Everybody has one. And, and so there is something, and, and some of us, we get nervous when we hear sin, but I grew up in church where every Sunday the message was sin. Okay? So you don't have to get nervous over this sermon today uh, because there is something called sin, and it's when you and I come up short of God's standard. The book of Romans says, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. So we all have sin in common. And so I get saved and now I enter into a conflict because the inward man delights in the law of God. There's things in me when I get saved that wants God's stuff. But there's also things in me that wants stuff that could sabotage all the God stuff. David, a mighty king, had enough godly things in him to make him a great king, but he also had enough little boy in him to destroy it all. You have to understand there is a mature part of you and there's an immature part of you. And, and we all have it. It creates the conflict that I'm talking about, the mixture that I've been preaching about. But some of us, we've arrived at a place in our life where we're looking at the field and we're thinking, how did I end up with this? Because I, I know I've sown good seeds. I've sown some good stuff. So why do I have the tares? Why do I have these undesirable parts? And, and, and Jesus said in the parable, he said that an enemy had done this. I want to relieve some of you of feeling responsible for everything that's bad in your life. Because you got, you got people on both ends. How many know? You got some people who feel responsible for nothing wrong in their life. Like they've never done anything wrong, ever. Come on, y'all smile. And then you got the people who are the opposite of that, who think everything that's wrong is their fault. Now, how many know both of those mindsets are way off? But I, I really want to speak to the people who feel responsible for everything that's wrong in your life. Some of the battles you're fighting, you didn't ask for, they were handed to you. I come into the world and, and I inherit sin and I'm shaping in iniquity, David said, and I didn't ask for that. How many know, I didn't ask Adam to eat the fruit. I didn't ask him for that. But how many know, after Adam, every person who came, came into the world, watch this, with holes in their bucket, with struggles, with sin, with iniquity. And, and so that's why I've been, I've been preaching as hard as I know how on getting past the what and let's start asking the why. 
Some of us need to stop complaining about the what in your life. You've done that for 30 years. You've talked about the what, the what, the what, the what, and nothing changes. Stop asking the what and let's start asking the why. Why do I always end up in a relationship that ends poorly? Why is it that I always want to numb the pain? Why is it that I always overindulge? Why is it that I always do whatever it is that you've been struggling with? Instead of asking about the what, let's ask about the why because if we can uncover the why, we can now heal the what. We can't clap real hard over a message like this, I know. But, but we need it because, watch this, the writer of Hebrews says, the sin. You may have gotten rid of almost everything when you got saved. Like, ever, like how many, when, when you got saved, how many can testify that a lot of what you struggled with before you got saved fell off immediately? Come on, raise your hands. A lot of it fell off immediately. But how many of you would say that some of it didn't fall off? Right? The rest of y'all, we know what your issue is, lying. We just uncovered it for you. We just uncovered your issue. You need to thank the Lord. Everybody's got at least one. Most of us, if we're being honest, we got more than one. All sin is a weight, but not all weight is a sin. He said, lay aside the weight and the sin. There are some things that you have to lay aside that are not necessarily sin, but they are weights. You have to understand, there are, there are things that everybody knows is wrong. Like God's word is very clear. It's wrong to lie, to steal, to commit adultery. We know gossip, unforgiveness. Like it's all real clear. Like it's wrong. You got to get it out of your life. But there are other things that it's, it's not wrong, but it's wrong for you. Does that make sense? Um, they're not necessarily wrong, but they're wrong for you. That's called a weight. And I want, you to, I want to break this down for you in levels. You may want to write this down because I, I want you to go to the next level. But there is the law of sin. There are things that all of us have struggled with, had, we've had to get over, we had to get forgiveness for, where we know it's wrong. God's word says it's wrong. We know it's wrong. Whatever that is, we have to get it under the blood. Some of you are on that level. You've recently given your life to Christ and your battle right now is you're just trying to stop cussing and lying. And that's okay. Everybody's at a different place in their journey. We, I, gotta, I gotta stop doing whatever it is. But there's a higher order. It's called the law of conviction. Now these are the things that are not necessarily wrong, not necessarily sin, but they're wrong for you. It, and what I mean by that is depending on your calling and your purpose and what God has asked you to do, God, God may allow you to go some places that he won't allow me to go. You, you may get by with saying some things. It's not really a sin, but if I said them, it would be wrong for me based on the convictions I have set in my heart. And the worst thing I can do is bring you under condemnation for a conviction that I have to live by. Your future may not demand of you what my future's demanding of me.
And so there may be places I can go, you can't go. There may be places you can go that I can't go. There may, there may be things you can say I can't say. There may be people you can hang out with and break bread with, but I can't hang out with those people and break bread with those people if I'm going to get to where God has called me. And it's not that they're bad people or sinful people, but they have become baggage people to me. And so if I'm going to get to the level God has called me, I got to let some of the baggage go. It's a weight that I don't need. And so I got to live not just by the law of sin, but by the law of conviction. Y'all got it? But there's a higher order than that. Once you have determined the sins you got to get rid of and what are the convictions you're going to live by, then there is the third level, the law of wisdom. And this is, this is beyond the first two because I'm not just getting rid of sin. I'm not just getting convictions in alignment, but now I'm starting to ask, is it wise for me to do this? Is it wise? Not is it sin. Everybody wants to know, can I, go, can I make it to heaven and not burn in hell if I do this? That's a stupid question. Why don't you just ask, is it wise? I don't know why we want to we get so close to the line where we might make it in. Why, why do you want to be so close to the world that you might make it in? Why, why don't you go ahead and instead of saying, can I do this and still make it, Pastor? Why don't you start? Because a lot of the things that we want to still do and still make it, they're dumb things. I've lost half of you at this message. It, it, it's, it's a wisdom question. Like, is it wise for me to send that text? Is it wise for me to post that on Facebook? I have nowhere to hide. I'm here. Is it wise? And, and so Hebrews says the sin, the Old Testament says iniquity. I believe it's the same thing here. It's the sin because it, it indicates it's the thing you can't get rid of. It's the struggle that keeps showing up over and over. Um, and that thing has to be traced. It has to be tracked. Uh, in your 20s, usually you start to realize, I'm really like dealing with something. You know, this, this thing's kind of present. In your 30s, uh, you're usually at that point, if it's still in your life, you're saying, uh, something's wrong. In your 40s, you're saying, I think I've been here before. In your 50s, I haven't lived there, so I have no idea. Um, but I can help you trace the sin. I can help you track the iniquity, the why behind what you're doing by telling you that it's usually cyclical, which means it's not a constant. It doesn't mean you struggle every single day, all day with it, but it usually revisits your life in a season of transition when God is about to move you from one level to the next, promote you from one level to the next, and it shows up at that point to keep you locked in an old season instead of stepping into a new season. Now watch this, Peter, Peter trained under Jesus for three and a half years. He's a disciple, but he's about to become an apostle. And the transition means Jesus is going to go away. He's going to send them the Holy Spirit. But at the moment they come to get Jesus and Jesus is taken from them, there's a, they are about to move from discipleship to authority, apostleship. 
And in that transition, when Jesus is removed, what does Peter say? Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm going to go do what I was doing when Jesus found me. And and I I have a problem with this because I, I want to ask, why is he thinking about fishing? And why does he still own a boat? For three and a half years, you've been following Jesus. He's told you. I'm going to be taken away. You guys are going to birth the church. And some of us are no different than Peter. We keep going back to a life that, that, that keeps us from moving into the next level. And the reason is because we didn't sink something that needs to be sunk. God wants to promote us, but every time he's ready to do it, in that place of transition, we revert back to that thing, that sin, that cycle, that broken relationship. You think it's everyone else's fault, and but the only common denominator is this is a supposed to be a new season, but you keep getting stuck in an old cycle. All because you didn't sink whatever it was. See, some of us, it's not even that we haven't been set free. Jesus set us free, but we wanted to keep it on the side in case we needed it. See, anything you got on the side that you can revert back to, it's time to sink. I don't care if it's a relationship that's toxic, a drug to numb the pain, a man or woman on the side, anything that you've got that you could go back to. Peter should have sunk the boat the minute he said, I'm going to follow Jesus. Anything that I could backpedal that would become a temptation for me to backpedal needs to be dealt with. See, the why, the sin, the weight, by now in this series, I am sure, I am positive, by now you can trace what it is. What your struggle is. What keeps tripping you up. Throughout the Bible, we see that even the great men of faith, Adam, rebellion, we see. Noah, drunkenness. David, lust. Solomon was David's son. We know that. It multiplied from just lust over a woman to hundreds of women in Solomon's life. Peter, we talk about the boat, but we can also talk about Peter's mouth. How many know his mouth got him into a lot of, so much trouble that one Jesus said, one day Jesus said to Peter, you need to get behind me, Satan. This, he's talking to a disciple because of his mouth. Abraham couldn't stop lying. They all had a struggle. The sin is cyclical. You can trace iniquity. It comes around, and it usually comes during seasons of transition. And some of you, you, you're not even discerning that it's a season of transition for you because you're not even sure of what the open door looks like on the other side. You don't even know that God is about to open a new door for you, but every time you're on the precipice of it, This sin, this iniquity, this thing underneath the surface revisits your life. And I I want to speak this in grace, but if you don't deal with it in your 20s, you don't deal with it in your 30s, 
You don't deal with it in your 40s. You don't deal with it in your 50s. And you allow the cycle to be repetitive. And I don't care what the, I don't care if it's a drug, womanizing, rejection that's that you know grew into something that you can't hold a relationship together to save your life. I don't care what it is. One day you'll wake up and realize I'm old and I'm battling the same thing. I'm battling the same thing. If you can detect what it is, you can trace it and you can defeat it. The man in Matthew 13, whose garden had both wheat and tares, that man knew what was in his garden all along. The servants seemed surprised about the tares. Sir, did you not so good see? He said an enemy did it. The man was not surprised by what they saw. And, and God gave me this for somebody. He was able to hide the harvest from the onlookers until a day that the ground could no longer hide the seed. That's deep. Some of us, we've had trouble dealing with the sin, the why, the thing underneath the surface. We've not been able to detect it. And, and what happens is if that thing persists for long enough, and this is not out of God's judgment, it's, it's actually out of God's mercy. God will allow other people to start seeing the struggle that you refuse to deal with. Because if you're not gonna bring it into the light, God will cause it to be seen by someone who will call it out in your life. And that's not judgment, that's called grace. Because had they not called it out in your life, you need to be careful when someone brings a word of correction into your life, not to get offended, especially, and sometimes the reason we get offended is because they touched the spot. They touched the struggle. It's one thing when pastor gets up there and preaches to all of us and it kind of hits me, I'm squirming, but when somebody one-on-one -on -one comes up and says, you got this in your life and you need to, we don't want to hear that, but how many know we need that? Woo, my amens have left the building today. We got to take personal inventory. We have to stop blaming other people. Some of us, it's a different day, different year, different month, maybe a new city, but same old struggle. He said, an enemy has done this. There are some things that you create and it is your mess. You did it. You clean up after yourself, right? How many has ever had to clean up after yourself? And I'm not talking about like you spilled some milk. I'm saying you messed up and you had to clean up after yourself. It's one thing to clean up after yourself, but how many know it's hard to, to consistently walk in grace with a person who is consistently creating messes for you to clean up? It's a lot easier. How many know we have a lot more grace for ourselves than we do for others? And so it, it's hard. And, and the guy here, he has to deal with his emotions because the servants asked him. They said, do you want us to pull these, these tears up? And the guy says, no. And I want you to help me preach. I want you to tell somebody close to you, tell them there are no quick fixes. Everything in the Pentecostal realm, we're a Pentecostal church, by the way. 
We've had over 20 students baptized in the Holy Spirit in the last month. My son was baptized. We're a Pentecostal church. I believe God can give you a miracle. I, I believe God can do a, a, a work in you right now and set you free. But that doesn't remove your responsibility over that area. God can set you free from something. But you have to understand that when he sets you free, that means at times that now I've got to provide my own accountability. I've got to set some guardrails. I've got to have, have some people in my life that will protect me when I'm tempted to go back and do something that Jesus has already set me free from. I'm preaching straight truth right now. It's not just that Jesus sets you free, but you've got to set some boundaries in your life to stay in the freedom that Jesus has provided for you. If you believe that right there, can you give God a praise or is it like an old me? Come on, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. He had to deal with his emotions and say, no, don't pull it up. We all want quick fixes. We want, pastor, if you'll just hit me in the forehead, I know I'll be done. And I believe I can hit you in the forehead and God give you freedom right then. But I also believe that if you don't go out and set the guardrails and set the accountability, and it doesn't make you a worse person to have accountability. Matter of fact, it makes you a champion that you would share a struggle enough to say, I need help in this area. I My goodness, I wish we could find some more people like that. It's a powerful thing when you can do that. That's why the Bible says, let us confess our faults one to another so that we can be healed. That's the word healed. Some of you, Jesus has set free, but now it's time for your healing. And the healing will come. Not, we're cool here. God, I confess. But sometimes we got to get cool here. And that takes some courage, some boldness, <laughs> trepidation maybe, right? but it will bring freedom into your life. Now, I want you to get this. I didn't say this in the first service, but I, you guys got five more minutes? Maybe three. Will you give me three? Check this out. The kingdom, Jesus teaches us, there's a dimension in the kingdom where good things and undesirable things can pop up at the same time. So don't take on the mindset of, I thought you were saved and I thought you loved Jesus. Because if we dig deep enough, we're going to find your tears too. Is that all right? The seed I'm sowing right now, the seeds I'm sowing right now, watch this, they don't show up now. The seeds I'm sowing now, they show up tomorrow. And so maybe you got saved today, but how many know you're still living off yesterday's seeds? So I'm saved but you see tears in my life. Why? Because I'm not living in today's seeds, I'm living in yesterday's seeds. As Christians, sometimes we'll look at other Christians and say things like, it doesn't look like God is moving on their behalf. I don't see a harvest in their life. Or, or maybe you say that about yourself, I don't see a harvest in my life. Well, if you'll hang around a little bit longer, 
Because I'm not living in today's seed, I'm living off of yesterday's seed. And so while I'm reaping hate, I'm sowing kindness. While I'm reaping loneliness, I'm sowing for relationships. While I'm reaping financial hardship, I'm sowing generously. And and so you don't see the harvest on the day that I plant the seed, but if you'll hang around me for a little while, you're gonna see me in a state where my harvest finds me and you'll see the, the fruit of seeds that I have sown to get to this moment. I've got good news for you today because if you have traced the sin, the iniquity during this series, and you've detected like what that is, if you've defeated it once, you can defeat it a million times. David said, when he faced the giant, I took out the bear, I took out the lion, this giant will be no different. The enemy of your soul is not a creator, which means he's not going to bring any. That's why we end up in the cycles, church. He doesn't create anything new. It's the same old stuff, maybe repackaged. And I can't tell you that if you defeat it today, you won't face it again sometime down the road. But what I can tell you, if you defeated it today, the same God who gave you the victory today is the same God who's gonna give you the victory when you face it the next time. If you believe that, give God one more praise. I'm gonna shut up right there. Did you get something from the word of God today? Amen. I want you to to bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around for a couple of minutes. I wanna do two things today. Number one, I I wanna speak to those that are here and you know that you're not in right relationship with God. You need Jesus to save you. I wanna speak to you first. If that's you and you say, Pastor, I would love to leave this place differently than I came in. I I, I need Jesus to save me and to to forgive me. If that is you this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you say, I want to be saved, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, you're you're talking to me. I, I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. One over here, God bless you. Thank you for that too over there. Awesome. Anyone else say, that's me? Give you just a moment. Anyone else? Anyone else before we pray? Those of you watching online, we'd love to make you a part of this prayer as well. I want every voice lifted together. We're gonna pray with these two hands that have just gone up. Let's let's pray out loud so you could hear it with your own ears. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him a big God bless you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good. I want to do one other thing, and I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for this as well, because I feel like, there are some people that during this series and specifically today, you've kind of uncovered the struggle. It's, it's been there, it's been a constant. It consistently shows up in your life and you've detected that today. And you'd say, you, you, you may just say, Pastor, I, I've detected it, now I'm ready to defeat it. 
And, and I'm just doing this because I want to pray with you and come into agreement because it's not just about this moment. It's about how you handle the moments when you leave here. But if that's you and you feel like I've been preaching to you and you know what that is and what God wants to free you from, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Just throw it up. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Hands are going up all over the room, all over the room. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I speak, God, over all the people, God, that have just lifted their hands. God, that they've had a consistent struggle, a consistent struggle. That seasons change, but the struggle's the same. And God, today we have detected it, we've tracked it, we've traced it. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, we bring it into the light. We know what it is. We know how the enemy has used it against us. But God, we know what your word says. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I declare over every person that has been in a state of struggle and battled with the same thing that right now in your presence, God, Lord, let everything that's not of you, God, Lord, let it Go from this place now. Go from their minds now. Go from their hearts now. God, give them victory over this area, God, and help them, Father, not only to walk in that grace in this moment, but God, to walk in that grace when they leave here. God, to help them to put up some boundaries. God, to to set up some relationships that will keep them accountable, God, for whatever that is. And God, we pluck this thing up by its root. We take an ax to the root. And God, we believe that not only are they going to walk in victory, but God, they're going to be a message to everyone that has struggled in that area of your ability to bring freedom, healing, and deliverance. I just sense right now that what the enemy has meant for evil in your life, that area that he has attacked over and over and over again. Could it be that in this season, God wants you to know you've been attacked in that area so hard because the enemy knows that you're going to bring healing and freedom to other people once you get free from it. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that today. Your struggle, that addiction, that thing, that weakness, that rejection, that bitterness, whatever it is being, church, when we get free from it, we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, watch this, and the word of our testimony. Some of you are about to get free, and it's not even so much about you. It's about how many others are going to get free because you finally found freedom. Give God one more praise today. Come on. I'm going to ask the prayer team, staff to come and get in place. We're going to do one more song. During this last song, if you need prayer for anything at all, please don't hesitate to come. Our prayer team would love to agree with you and pray with you. If you made that commitment to follow Christ today, there is a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a minute during this last song, jot down your name. Let us know you made a decision for Christ. You can drop that in one of the containers on your way out. It's been an honor to host you today. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.